Welcome back, dude and dudettes, to another wild episode of Send It, Mate. We're here to talk about all things hunting and outdoors, and today we've got something that'll keep your gear running smoother than a dingo's getaway. That's right, our show is brought to you by High Calibre, the gun and knife hole company that knows how to keep your firearms and blades in tip-top shape. High Calibre is like the secret sauce for hunters, anglers and outdoorsy folk everywhere. It's like the magic potion that makes your gun and knives happier than a dog with two tails. You know, guys, I've been using high-caliber oil for a while now, and let me tell you, it's the duck's nuts. My rifle practically sings a lullaby when I take it out hunting. And speaking of lullabies, ever tried sneaking up on a deer with a squeaky gun? It's a prime way to end up with no venison in the freezer. You'll be hungrier than a vegan at a bacon festival. Absolutely. But with high-caliber oil, your gun will be quieter than a ninja in moonlight. You'll be stalking your prey with the grace and stealth of a mountain lion. High Calibre doesn't just keep things quiet, it also prevents rust and corrosion, so you won't find your gear looking like it's spent a season at the bottom of a creek. That's right, and for you knife enthusiasts out there, High Calibre has got you covered too. Your trusty blade will slice through anything smoother than butter on a hot biscuit. So folks, don't let your gear become a rusty squeaky mess. Head on over to highcalibre.com.au and grab a bottle of their oil today. And if you use the code SENDITMATE at checkout, you'll get a special discount. I say again, use the code SENDITMATE for all your oil slick, stealthy hunting needs. Thanks to High Calibre, you'll be sending it in style and silence. So, gear up, oil up, and send it, mate. High Calibre, the ultimate oil for the ultimate hunter. Pass the buck. Did you just palm off the intro to Caleb? No, I was confirming. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I had to... Well, after that non-start, I'll do the introductions. And uh, <laughs> welcome to Centre Mate Podcast, another edition. I'm Caleb. I'm Josh. I'm Couchy. Couchy, otherwise known as Shy Guy, mate. Yeah. What's going on? It was you. Pass the buck. It was always going to be you. I've seen that handball. <laughs> <laughs> it was a confirmation. <laughs> Anyway, we're back again, and uh, it's time for another guest, which is exciting. It's been a been a couple of weeks. It is. It so has. yeah, let's get into it. And uh, tonight we have Aaron from Range Derp. G'day, Aaron. How you going, man? G'day, bloody marvelous. How about yourselves? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> as good as you can be when you sit next to Caleb, but that's all right. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's just, just defaulting to insults again. <laughs> oh dear. How's your week been? You've taken a bit of a a, a, a trip this week. I'm uh, headed home to see the family for the week and catch up with the kids over the school holidays, so oh, pretty good. Very nice. Very nice. I see you have your Adler in the background, so I'm presuming you're going to go for a shoot? Oh, hopefully, yeah. We'll get down uh, We'll get down to the local club and shoot some steel challenge with it, and that should be good. You're nice. You're nice. Very nice. Very nice, actually. Sounds like a plan. And uh, do you do you head back to to WA very often, or because you're normally based in Darwin, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. I'm working in Darwin at the moment, so I try and get home uh, once a month if I can, uh, more or less. Just depends on how work is, really. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, I think a lot of people are going, "Who is Range Depth? They might have seen you on Instagram, and they might have seen you on TikTok. You do some pretty cool videos, mate. So, I mean, we're here to get to know you. So let's get into it. 
Some wicked video. <laughs> that's, that's for certain. It looks you, – you make it Thank look you. smooth and easy and just so much fun, actually. <laughs> I think I've belt-fed all your videos in the last fortnight. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> and if people are wondering, well, that's, it's IPSC shooting. <laughs> you could be talking about anything, make it look smooth and easy. <laughs> <laughs> It does have the mo, so it well, could be porn. That's, uh, that's actually why I got on the gram. I want to get more people into shooting and more people into doing the practical shooting sports. I think it's great. Um, and uh, the more, the merrier. I think it's, it's good for the future of the sport and shooters all around the country. So that's why I do it. Awesome, man. Well, that sits really well with us because we're, we're definitely about promoting shooting and hunting out there and getting more people involved. So it sounds like we're pretty well aligned. All right. Well, first question is an easy one. Where are you from? Albany, Western Australia, or best in Australia. <laughs> Can you say that after your COVID restrictions? Yeah, locked away in Australia. <laughs> no, and I, I definitely can't say that after um, I had been away from WA for about 10 years, moved back to WA and remembered how terrible licensing was in WA. Holy shit. Yeah, not fun. But anyway. Can you explain the licensing? Because they've, they've done, done a bit of a crackdown, haven't they, in the last few years? Oh, guess what? How much uh, licensing an additional firearm now costs in WA? $256. Oh, <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Don't move to Three WA. years ago, that was, um, yeah, fact. Um, three years ago, that was only $180, and that was already the most expensive state in the country. So, yeah, it's now up to 256 Like, I'm buying a, like, $300 Rossi 22 at the moment. So, which means that like half the cost will be just licensing the bastards. <laughs> crazy. That's yeah, that's quite painful. <laughs> they've also got some pretty stringent appearance laws, don't they? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, appearance laws is not really something I've run into so far. Um, mainly, like my other long guns are like three hundred threes, so they're not scary looking. <laughs> um, but I know people who are like like. Hey, this rifle, like the identical action in a Woodstock, is fine, but I put it in a scary M-lock forend, and all of a sudden I can't have it. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, it so shoots. It's wild over here. Shoots more rapidly. Than <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As, soon, <laughs> as soon as you get an M-lock forend, it becomes twenty million times more deadly. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Well, I actually got a question with this because you're an IPSC shooter, so. And we've seen you run a, a few different firearms on your channel, and it just so happens that I'm currently looking at a Warwick. I want to know your opinion in IPSC how a Warwick straight pull would go. Oh, it's it's the go-to. So uh, I think um, the Nationals this year was won by a Warwick by uh, Ghostberg out of Victoria. If he didn't win, he was like second place. But like the top of the field was all Warwicks uh, or a couple of the other. Yeah, a couple of the other flavors of straight pull. I think, um, you know, those, those anything that takes AR mag, so you can get that bloody forty round P mag on there. Like I don't have to reload ever because I've got a forty round P mag. Um, you're just unbeatable, unbeatable. You, yeah. If you're not running a pump action Warwick, you're or similar, you're not you're not winning the match. Definitely me with a number four Enfield ten round stripper clips. I was not winning the match. I was having a great time. I was having a bloody it's good, good to time, watch, but I was not winning that match. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. It'd obviously be a bit quicker being a pump or a straight pull than than a <laughs> Enfield. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. The, the middle finger job is not too bad, but 
Um, I'd be I'd be super keen to check out as well the Taipan, the uh, the new one from Southern Cross Small Arms. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a West Australian, so it's not like I can have one anyway. But if I was somewhere else, um, I'd, I'd be keen to check out the Taipan. I had a I had a little play with that at Nats, and it's a very very uh, very good looking gun. Fair bit lighter than the Warwick too. The Warwick is a heavy rifle. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's cost effective the Taipan too, to be honest, because. Uh, the Warwick's set in your back, I think, like 4,200 now new, and I think the Taipan's coming in around 18. Don't don't correct me if I'm wrong. It'll change think, all the time. So yeah. yeah, it'll probably go up yeah. as soon as it gets a bit of popularity, but uh, like everything, that's all right. All three of us have been lucky enough to try both. So yeah. um, it's it's definitely interesting, that trade-off between probably the, the higher quality versus the price point. So I'm sure there's probably a – a balance in there somewhere that that suits people at, at certain points, but yeah, I definitely found. Oh, absolutely, the, the Warwick was a lot smoother, just a cycle. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, but I think that's the Type M was still a prototype, so I think there was still some refining to do when we we tested it that's, out. That's true. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah hopefully. <laughs> How does your Adler go? I've seen your your you run your Adler actually, and obviously you've got your non-master handle on the charging handle. How do you go with accuracy running that thing? Um, so I I run it uh, like hand on the bolt, just like this for like close range targets. Accuracy, you know, who cares? And then I'll run out to the fore end if I need to actually take aim for a for a long distance. But I mean, I'm only shooting IPSC shotguns, so accuracy isn't really a thing. It's just how fast you can make the clays disappear. Um, <laughs> On the on the slug stages or the buckshot stages, that's where you'll probably see me reach out to the fore end and actually get behind that dot and try and take aim and make sure I don't send nine bloody buckshot into the no shoot and rack up fifty thousand <laughs> points of penalties. <laughs> Which I did do at nationals. I did do at nationals. I nailed the no shoot target with nine buckshot. It was <laughs> just just clarify that. What do you mean about no shoot? Obviously, is it a, like a hostage sort of yeah. style target? It's it's not a hostage. It's yeah. a okay. target that you can't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Next but, to a target, you can. Um, yes, yeah. exactly. Um, so the uh, the whole the whole idea of the no shoot is to increase the accuracy requirement of that target. Now, obviously, in IPSC practical shooting, you're trying to clear the stage as quickly as you can. But the no shoot is there to really uh, reinforce the requirement for accuracy because any hits on the no shoot cost you uh, five points. And if you don't hit the target that you needed to hit, that's extra penalties for not hitting that target as well. So it can really stack up and completely wreck your stage. So that five-point deduction, what's that mean to you? Like what, how many points can you get in the stage? Oh, sorry, correction. It's it's a 10-point deduction. So um, it's actually worth double an A-zone hit. So, for instance, if you, um, if you smack the target you wanted to hit twice, that's two alphas, that's 10 points. But if you smack that old no shoot twice that's 20 points off so basically you can you can completely ruin your entire match potentially just by whacking a few of the no shoots yeah bloody hell <laughs> makes, makes me want to do it yeah it does <laughs> yeah sure. yeah because what and what i love about that aspect of practical shooting is it's how fast can i go how fast can i complete this challenge but balancing that against how fast can I go and still be accurate enough to meet the demands that have been put in front of me. Mm-hmm. And that's really where the, the, the bleeding edge of it is and what I think makes it such a great sport. Then you've got the safety aspect. You get penalties for, for unsafe practices, don't you? Oh, yeah. Well, actually, any pretty much anything safety-related, it's see you later. You know, oh. if you break the 180, if you, if you ND into the ground, if you, 
yeah, if, if things go bang when they're not supposed to, it's, it's see you later. Or if you're a good sport, you can hang around for the rest of the match and help patch. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, that, well, that's fair. I mean, you know, that's obviously promoting safe practices. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, when you're encouraging people to run around with, and especially with pistols with the very short barrel, if you're encouraging people to run around with those as fast as they possibly can, you really want to have a good reinforcing factor on safety and discipline. So, yeah. Are you allowed a point in the air? It uh, depends on range. A lot of rangers will have, like, no elevated firearms because they're worried about the, the, the distance of the trace. Mm. But generally speaking, it's okay as long as you're still pointed downrange. So you've got 180 degrees, which is a safe direction, which is downrange. One thing I've seen, actually, was a fellow shooting IPSC who was a, a police officer. So you'll see people when they shoot an IPSC and they need to go back up range, they'll stick the gun back over their shoulder, run back like this, or they'll stick the gun out behind them to run back up range. So that way the gun remains in a safe direction pointing into the mound. But uh, this guy was a cop and he went back into default police mode. So he turned around, stuck the gun up into a temple index uh, and ran backwards, which for police is A-OK and it's great safety because the gun's up in the air, it's not going to hurt anyone. But he's just broken the 180 because although it's up in the air, that gun's still pointing up range. So... That was a uh, DQ, Dairy Queen. See you later, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say you can't do no tunnel of love type shit, and that's that's unfortunate because it seems more natural just going like straight up and turning around, turn back around, and and go yeah. off into your position. But because I've that seen, is, uh, I've seen you a few times run backwards on your videos, and I'm like, that does not look comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> The old Naruto run with the gun sticking out behind you, like, yeah. <laughs> I think I would accidentally do something if I was doing that, like running with my pistol behind. I'd probably be like, huh, what? what's going on over here? <laughs> yeah. No, legit. So, like, I've, I've had a moment where a fairly new shooter did that. So he had the gun out behind him, but he turned around in the wrong direction. So when he turned around, he sweeps uh. the entire range. So one of those moments, there's a meme where it's like, when you're too afraid to uh, to DQ them because they might AD you in the chest. <laughs> you're like, you're like, I'm going to let this guy finish turning around before I shout stop, 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 because if he's panicking any more than he already is, I might cop around. Yeah, That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't be too good for the sport. <laughs> Six range suits die in unexpected shooting. <laughs> well, oh, dear. That's exactly what we'll avoid. Yeah. Oh, no, no, that's it. Seems like a fun sport to be honest, and that's something that that your videos just intrigued me. And it would be wonderful to if pistol licenses weren't so not they're not hard to get, but to keep them is but the, is, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's challenging. Yeah, I appreciate that. One of the things I I think um, would be really good for IPSC is getting more into the long gun events. Mm-hmm. Like you know the amount of people that are out there with a shotgun that could shoot a prac shotgun match. Heck, if it's a side by side coach gun. Shit, come on down. You're still going to have fun. Another thing I think um, that we should really get into in Australia is mini rifle, which is like IPSC rifle shot with a 22. And that's just fun, like just with and around, clack, clack, clack. Um, great way for kids to get into the sport and to be able to practice long gun events uh, without it costing like huge quantities of money. Yeah. Like I'd, I'd like to shoot more long gun events with rifles. But uh, doing that with 303 is uh, really going to hurt the old uh, the old hip pocket. So, <laughs> do you reload or do you just buy a factory? 
Uh, I'm both time poor and lazy, so I've been buying Factory recently, which <laughs> Nats, Nationals was like 200 rounds. Holy shit. That was uh, a <laughs> three yeah. out of three. That would yeah. be, oh, what, four, five, five, at 500 least. bucks at least? Yeah. Yeah, it was about 500. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see many other guys getting around with something like that as well? There were, uh, so, uh, no, I got out 303 at Nationals. There was a guy there with a long tom. Didn't even have charger bridges. He was single loading that bastard. It's like <laughs> breaking Morant spec. Yeah. <laughs> and he had like a full 1890s kit too. So he had his ammo in like period correct retro webbing. It was it was amazing. I might take my hat off to that man. That was just <laughs> handy place. <laughs> uh, he beat me. Yeah. <laughs> Second last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He did exceedingly well. He could run that gun. That was really impressive to watch. Um, so um, he's my nemesis for next year. I'm hoping to come up with an even stupider rifle uh, for next year's Nationals, um, maybe a, a Mosin or a Carcano. Carcano would be hard because ammo is like unobtainium, but I really like the Carcanos. But, yeah, I'm hoping to out out-stupid him next year with an even more impractical, <laughs> outdated military surface rifle. Yeah. Just get the old sport go martini with the uh, fallen block, single load. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Some musket. That, that would be. It's <laughs> <laughs> a black powder. Yeah. Oh, dear. Look, I, I, I don't think there's anything in the IPCC rules that say I can't bring a muzzle loader, but everyone else on the range having to wait for like five hours for you to finish the stage is really going to hate you. That is going to be unpopular at the batch. Yeah. It sounds like there's plenty of room for a bit of individual expression by the sounds of it because it looks like you're having a lot of fun and it looks like you've, I don't know, you've got a, a real way about how you do things and that really comes across in your video. So are there just a heap of dudes out there doing the same sort of thing like you just said this other guy in his 1890s gear? Is that pretty common for people to sort of express themselves? Nah, sadly not. Nah, I will say but like yeah. – uh, most most people are in there with a with a very competitive and and there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. You know, everyone should aspire to the highest tiers of achievement in the sport. But the um, there's a, there's a big difference between um, you know the, the guys with the pump action Warrex and the LPVOs with offset red dot who are looking to sca- score gold, silver, bronze. You know, they're taking it seriously. They're doing their match prep. They're looking for like one percent in the stage plan. You know, if I if I go to this spot here, I can shoot these three targets and then this spot here and, you know, all this detailed planning and, you know, I'm just there holding my 303 waiting for the beef and I'll figure it out. It's like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> you do a pretty good job doing it off yeah. the cuff, man. Jesus. Man, you're quick. I think it's, I, it's, it's more fun that way. And, and you know, same, same in the pistol events, you know, there's those the dudes with the $10,000 race guns who are looking to save one-tenth of a second on a reload and, I'm there with a 1943 Walther P38, just hoping to be able to get through the stage without running out of magazines. So, <laughs> <laughs> what got you into sort of running the 303? Did you say? Ah, uh, so the- that's a that's a really good question. So I was um, uh, watching videos from Gun Jesus uh, from Ian McCollum over on ForgottenWeapons.com, and I was seeing him and Carl uh, Casada over to In Range taking like historical weapons to two gun competitions in the United States. Yeah. And you know they'd be they'd be at a two gun competition going up against guys with AR-15s with like a, a Mauser, you know, K98 or a, some outdated thing. And I thought, you know, that's a really interesting 
interesting idea. Like, I love my history. I love my historical firearms. And I thought, you know, why not take them to a match and see how you go? You know, you learn a bit of history. The other thing I love is you you rock up to a IPSC match with a shadow too, like every other guy in the entire country. It's like, okay, cool, whatever. You rock up to an IPSC for the T38. I guarantee you'll meet 10 more different people because the amount of people who want to talk to you and just be like, hey, that's a cool gun, man. What is it? <laughs> um, and, and that's my favourite thing about shooting historical guns. So, yeah. Do you think they, they should create a, a discipline for historical firearms in the IPSC? Like a category of a time? Yeah. Because then it would, like, obviously oh, would you're going cool. to then, yeah. you know, sort of be on fair terms in the shoot. That's an interesting one. Well, there's already classic division um, if you want to be a retire air and shoot jam 1011s. Um, but that's 1911s only. So um, oh. it's not it's not very broad. Um, another, so, you know, like another pistol I want to get is a Steyr Roth model 19, what was it, 1912? Top load stripper clip 9mm Steyr. <laughs> um, you know, that that gun, I would have to be in standard division, which would be putting me up against, you know, like boutique race 2011s. Um, you know, I'm, 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 if I don't come last in that match, you know, you've had a really bad day. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> um, but there's just, I, I don't think, there's just not enough people interested in that sort of stupid historical stuff that I do to, to, to warrant it. Yet. Yet. The sport will get Yet. bigger. Yeah. yeah. Well, there should exactly. be like an end-of-year exactly. award for the best run sort of historical rifle. Most, <laughs> most interesting. Yeah, I agree. Well, that's, that's still pretty cool, though. You can just choose your own adventure and, and do what you want anyway. So. Yeah. 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 As, as, as long as you don't mind, you're not winning the match. You're there to have fun. And, and the challenge is always against the clock, right, too. Yeah. You know, it's um, the clock, the timer, uh, and everything that can go wrong will happen after the beep. So the challenge is once that beep goes off, it's you, the clock, your gun, and how fast can you finish the problem? So There's nice. that old saying that, that uh, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And I'd imagine running a bolt gun like on some of these stages would just give you a little bit more time to think instead of, you know, just going off half cocked and, you know, just bang, 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 getting around the range. Like one would think it would slow you down a little bit. Maybe for people who are much, who are smarter than I am, um, for me, <laughs> running that 303, the only thing going through my head was like, I, I don't even think I had time to think. You know, I was just reacting to whatever double feed I was dealing with because I was like getting ahead of the bolt and trying to, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the swinger target was moving and here's me with this bloody 303. And um, yeah, I, I, I guess in theory, a, a bolt action should be more deliberate, especially than those, you know, 40 round PMAG on a pump action 7615 or a Warwick where you're just sending 223 down nearly as fast as semi. Um, nearly. Nearly. So maybe yeah. Yeah. let's segregate that. <laughs> nearly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. No one, no one told Greenpeace. Um, so a, a person who has more visual patient, patience, discipline, and is more smart than I am, more smarter than I am, could definitely take the the action of a bolt action to consider what they're doing and what they need to do next. But unfortunately, I'm not on that level. <laughs> Bit of adrenaline. Yeah, I'll get you. I'll get you. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I'm sure we'll come back to some more shooting stuff, but let's change tact. Question two, Aaron. Mm. What's your favourite food? Uh, favorite food? Oh, um, undoubtedly anything Polish. Uh, so my my grandparents are Polish. So um, whether it be a, a bigos or a pierogi or a good old pickled herring, um, 
anything anything Polish takes me back to very fond memories of uh, Christmas at home with uh, Bupsha and uh, and Granddad. So, what was the first dish? Uh, oh shit, Bigos maybe is uh, probably the first one. It's a it's a Polish stew, very cabbage. Oh. Yeah. Uh, cabbage and, and whatever meat you have handy. Uh, historically, it's a hunter's stew, so it's cabbage plus whatever you got, basically. Yeah. And are you a fiend for vodka? Sadly, no. I'm a national embarrassment when it comes to vodka. Oh. I've, I've had some messy nights on the vodka. In fact, um, I was lucky enough to be uh, overseas with some Polish guys, and they got me. like They're drinking like the shittiest tier vodka out of paper cups. <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to keep up with those guys. Oh man, it was bad. It was really bad. Um, yes. Yeah. So unfortunately, I, I I am not Polish when it comes to no, vodka. Fair enough. The only reason I ask is I used to have a, a boss who was Polish, and I mean to be fair, he's a big boy. He's probably about 130 kegs and about my height, so five foot nine. And he could put away some vodka like nobody else. Like <laughs> it's, in, it's insane. It is insane. Yeah. No, I'm very good. Well, I'd uh, I'd be keen. I haven't actually tried too much Polish food. I don't reckon. What about you boys? Polish sausage, not what I know of anyway. (laughs) Nah, that's about it. Yeah, it's all fun and games until the cowbuster comes out. No, that was serious. Like, I've eaten Polish sausage. That's about it. And cabbage. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. 90% of it right there. <laughs> yeah, get around it. Order some uh, order some pierogi next time you're down at the Polish place. You won't regret it. Pierogi. Actually, I've had that. I've had that too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. There you go. I don't know. There Made with dog? <laughs> what do you have on hand? What? <laughs> the meat. I did, can't remember. No? I just know I've had pierogi. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It does yeah. sound familiar, actually. Pierogi. What, yeah. now you've had it too? No, it just sounds familiar. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well done. All right. Well, Aaron, what was your first job? I was a grocery boy at Woolworths here in Albany, and uh, remains the best damn job I've ever had to date. Actually, it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely loved it. <laughs> no responsibility. Just do what you need to do, and if you're ahead of time, goof off with your mates or chat up the checkout chicks. It's, it's <laughs> like it's crack open it's, a honestly, bar in the aisle. And not pay for yeah. it. <laughs> 100%. Get around it. This brings me to a question because you're a serving member in the ADF, so uh, how do you how do you rate that if you don't mind talking about it? Oh, you know, fantastic. Um, I, uh, I've i had opportunities that I, I never would have had otherwise. Um, I'm incredibly, incredibly proud to serve and uh, put on the uniform and uh, do my little bit for uh for for the nation in whatever way i can as a logistics officer um certainly keeps me busy and uh the challenges are always diverse and well almost every day is different so Mm -hmm. i I can't complain about that so and you're an officer yeah believe it or not uh, some people are surprised by that (laughs) no no that's all right you gotta have them no me, uh, me, and my kind are a uh, are a uh, unnecessary plague on the uh, good functioning of the defence force. And I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're obviously in one division. Which unit? No, I'm um, I'm currently in joint movements. Oh um, right. So we uh, we arrange and facilitate uh, whoever you are and wherever you are to get to where you need to be to do the job you got to do. 
Ah, right. There you go. Sounds like an advertisement. Sounds like <laughs> <laughs> that. Sorry, ABS logistics. Music. logistics that, um, that made it sound much more interesting than it is. Logistics, getting stuff on and off aircraft, basically. Did you did you get to get to go overseas? Uh yeah, yeah, certainly. I've uh, overseas to Iraq in twenty seventeen. Actually, it was it was good times. So you you've also been in for about 10, 12, 12, 12 years. Yeah, 12 years now. Starting to feel old. (laughs) (laughs) Would you consider a career change? Because 12 years is a long time, man. Uh, Look, you know, as long as I'm I'm enjoying myself and I can keep doing jobs that are interesting, um, I will be happy to stay in. Um, But having said that, uh, I I have young kids now. Um, um, My boys are five, two and one. Um, Our family is all in Western Australia. Um, so certainly the thought rumbling around in the back of my head is, hey, you know, it's it's probably going to be time to, to come home soon. So, um, yeah, certainly the thought had occurred to me. It's a hard thing to do because the Army, it, it is cushy some of the times when you're in there. Uh, like your average, you know, work days when it's not high tempo and high stress, you can sort of just get caught up and, you know, weeks turn into months and, and suddenly you're like, oh, where'd the time go? And it's cushy. It's a paycheck, you know. Like it's stable. And like as a grunt, safety blanket. I'm not sure if it's different for an officer or not. But as as a grunt, sort of, so, you didn't have to think about what you're doing. You didn't have to think about what <laughs> yes, you're going to you do did. next week. No, you didn't. No, really. I fucking hate this. You had to, grunts, you had to, mate. No, you had to prepare for what you're going to do, but you didn't have to think about what. you're No, gonna, I gonna hate do. that because you had to think on the fly, <laughs> fucking all the time, man. Yeah. I hate how people say no, grunts are dumb. That. That's that's no. I completely disagree with you there. Well, they know you, so it's not the job. <laughs> Look, it's not, it's not a rocket scientist job. No, it's not. But, but you still got to make decisions on the fly and think, and it, it's high stress. Yeah, within that confined box. But that, that box <laughs> is not real confined, man. It's it's not. I mean, yeah, you got to shoot a gun. Okay, that's not that hard. you got to lift a heavy pack. Keep the gun running. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, hey, I, I, I recently had the opportunity to get uh, trained by some guys from 5 RR out at uh, Mount Bundy at the urban training facility out there. <laughs> and let me tell you, those – nah, it was awesome. Those young digs, holy shit, they were fucking killing it. Their instruction was awesome. The level of, like, junior dig in the section just being, like, explaining the reasons why you do certain things, like everything from room clearing to, you know, strategies for approaching buildings – how to break down a building into manageable chunks. Um, those guys were, were fucking shit hot. Uh, they were excellent uh, and really, really rated those guys uh, from 5RAR who helped, you know, train a, a bunch of retard movers, you know, how to assault a three-story building. It was great. Um, so, no, mad props to those guys and what they do. Really, really rate it. Those guys are fucking excellent. Nice. I'd say I agree with that statement. <laughs> yeah, five was my old unit as well, man. Yeah, like, you should have stayed there. Oh, not come to seven. That was a downfall. Yeah, I should have stayed there. <laughs> Actually, I would have been up there. Were you in Darwin the whole time? No, so I I posted up to Darwin this year and was previously there in sixteen seventeen as well. Okay, yeah, okay, all right. So yeah, we wouldn't have crossed paths then before that. Oh, before that, shit, uh, I've done Pucker, Bendigo, and Brisbane. Ah. Okay. More across parts. <laughs> and, 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 and Perth, yeah. Oh, Perth as well? Good gig? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, very nice. Yeah, very nice. yeah. So I was I was movers movers at Perth as well. So um, that was that was great as well. I mean, it was a job in the home state, so I would I'd do any job in Perth if it was bloody. I don't know, emptying the bins at 13 Brigade, whatever it takes. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a good time to ask this question then. Aaron, if you could trade places with anyone in the world, who would that be? Yeah, okay. So um, this one this one might be left field. I had to think about this a lot. <clears throat> and it is Victor Glover, uh, who you might not know, but he's my best bet who is going to be the next American astronaut to walk on the moon. Victor Glover is a U.S. Navy captain, fighter pilot, uh, combat missions in Iraq, test pilot. Um, he's fairly young of the current crop of astronauts, uh, and he flew his first mission a uh, year or two ago uh, to the International Space Station. And if I was a betting man, he is going to be the next American to walk on the moon under Project Artemis, hopefully sometime this decade. All right. So We've got to take a step back here. You think we've been to yeah. the moon? <laughs> so, 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 sorry, but <laughs> sorry, man. I, I had to. That was what open for that comment. <laughs> but... Yeah, I, know. I, know. I, I get that a fair bit, but uh, but yes, we have. But yeah, so Victor's Victor's a cool dude, and like so, those guys, right? They live and work in Houston, Texas, right? And when they're not in Houston, Texas, they're flying down to Florida in fighter jets to go train in, in Florida at the, at the Cape, right? So they live and work in two of the most gun-friendly states in the US um, and they get paid to fly fighter jets or sit on top of rockets and, and go to space. So I can't imagine any better job. Um, if you're not flying fighter jets, you can go and shoot basically whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be, I don't know, I'd be two-gunning every day of the week with uh, two-gunning, three-gunning <laughs> with my... I don't know, whatever the hell I wanted because it's Texas and Florida. So. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, have the best view of, of the world if you go yeah. to space. Is that something that, yeah. say, if they, if you, if, say, if you're a multimillionaire or, or whatever, would you, would you pay for a flight up there? Oh shit! Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. You know, um, to uh, to see the see the see the Earth from space is a is a life changing experience, or, or so I've heard. And you know, like those those guys are awesome. You know, like fighter fighter pilot jocks, and then they go to be test pilots, and then they get bored of being test pilots, so they sit on top of a giant bomb and get hurtled to twenty four <laughs> times the speed of sound. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Sign me up. <laughs> Oh dear. So is is space sort of a special interest area for you in particular or just uh yeah, 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 yeah. I uh, the podcast podcast listeners will not appreciate the fact that I've got a tattoo of a lunar module on my, my forearm. But um yeah, I've been an absolute space nerd since as long as in fact, um, you know, one of my earliest memories is is as a kid, uh, my dad telling me how the Apollo missions worked, uh, and him drawing a diagram of the lunar module and the command module and the Saturn V. Um, so just that that whole idea of exploration, even if it's, you know, like the Arctic explorers, like those first dudes who went down and crossed the Arctic on foot with bloody dogs, um, you know, anything that's about the extremes of getting out there in the wild. Um, I absolutely love, can't get enough of it. And, you know, for me, space and walking on the moon is pretty much the ultimate getting out there. So, yeah. So people like Josh who are just walking on the moon deniers, 
You probably just want to clobber him, to be honest. Look, I have. Oh, not at all. Not at all. No, no, no. I, I, I love meeting a good uh, a, a conspiracy theorist because I think it's a, a great opportunity to let someone know about what's like one of the greatest fucking engineering achievements of all time, right? Like, look at that bad boy, the Saturn V rocket, a vehicle so powerful that uh, its fuel pump developed 55,000 horsepower, right? 55,000 horsepower <laughs> from your fuel pump. Oh, and there was 10 of those fuel pumps on the Saturn V first stage, right? That is a big heckin' fuel pump, right? To send a guy going, you know, like 34,000 miles an hour to the moon, quarter of a million miles away is one of the most, you know, like if, if humans can do that, we can fucking do anything, right? Um, so do you think we'll colonise we Mars? If that's the case, uh, hopefully, I, I, I hope to I hope to still be alive, alive for that. But uh, you can, uh, if you have a laser of sufficient precision, um, point it at retro reflectors which were left behind on the surface of the moon by the uh, Apollo crews at various different locations on the moon, and you will get your laser bounced back to you. It's done for like a bunch of uber nerdy shit, like measuring the moon's gravity and shit like that. But uh, you can, if you uh, want to point a laser at the moon and you'll get it bounced back to you, which is, in my opinion, one of the most obvious reasons that we did, in fact, go to the moon. Oh, also, the fact that the Russians didn't, like, like get upset about it. Like, you know, we were in a life-or-death struggle with the Russians in the Cold War in which we were willing to nuke each other into oblivion, and the Russians had spies in, like, every single level of the U.S. government. You know, the, the, the Russians knew what the U.S. was doing before the U.S. ever did it. I'm pretty sure the Russians would have been like, hey, that was a load of shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, they lied about it. Because they, they kept quite really lost. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the only time you can, um, you can know something as a fact is when the Russian government denies it. As a <laughs> <laughs> That's some fair logic there, it's I think. It's fitting for this, this moment in time too, isn't it? <laughs> that is a, yeah, that is a whole other kettle of fish, but yeah. So yeah, Victor Glover, he'd be my man, and uh, I would uh, I would swap places with him. He can he can go be a logistics officer in Darwin, and I'll fly fighter jets in Houston. Absolutely, send it. It's a good trade. Nice. That sounds <laughs> right, actually. There you go. Why don't you uh, transfer across to the Air Force and become a fighter pilot? <laughs> I actually did pilot selection about ten years ago, and I got knocked back. Um, oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, that was that was that was devastating. I passed uh, I passed all the tests, and then at the bloody interview, the the guy was like, "You've passed all the tests, so I think you're fine to be in aviation." And I was like, "Yeah, fuck yeah, I'm going to be in aviation." And he's like, "But I think you're just fishing for it. I don't think you're really motivated to be a pilot. So come back in two years' time if you really are, and prove that you are motivated." And here I am 10 years later. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> In summary, he was absolutely correct. Right? <laughs> I can imagine that they wouldn't want cowboys. They'd want, yeah, pretty disappointed people. people yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Like the idea of me flying a plane scares me because I'm such a fucking idiot. Like I, I forget what day of the week it is. So the idea of me having the lives of you know, say 120 passengers on a C-17 in my hands is a is basically something that no one should consider, <laughs> least of all the Australian Defence Force. <laughs> hey, bro, my uh, sister's a pilot, and uh, let's just face it, it can't be as worse as she is. Oh, my God. There's no f- – Shannon's going to probably listen to this as well. Fuck. 
and Tim certainly is his, his wise husband. There is no way I'd get into a plane with her. <laughs> I watched her do a, do a landing once, and I'm like, nope, nope. The plane looked like it was about to flip upside down. I'm like, hell no, no way. <laughs> but she's disciplined and motivated. I'll give her that. Oh, that's awesome. Maybe I'll put it in my transfer. Maybe I'll give it another crack. <laughs> well, talking about like cowboys being pilots, like uh, over in Afghan, some of those uh, US pilots are fucking just insane. They're and loose as a goose. Yeah, they will do anything. Mm. Like just shit normal people wouldn't do. And unless you've got like a bit of bit of you know wind up your skirt, you know you're not doing it. So. You know, maybe maybe it pays to be a bit of a cowboy in that situation. We'll, uh, we'll find out. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> Range nerf coming to an airfield near you. <laughs> I would love to see your logo painted on. <laughs> <laughs> so was that something that just why you didn't apply for it again? You just weren't sort of focused on it or was there distractions in life that – yeah, look, there's um, distractions in life. I, I mean, I've been enjoying my job in army, right? Like I've, I've, you know, as I said, I had the opportunity to go to Iraq in 2017. That was that was awesome. You know, it was where I got to do all the logistics shit I'd trained for to help our guys execute their mission in kicking ISIS out of Iraq and wiping them all out in Mosul. You know, that for me was the was the pinnacle of my career as a logistics officer because I, in some very small way, got to help that happen, which was, you know. ISIS dudes getting killed, which is which is great. You know, that's <laughs> it's good for everyone. That's, that's that's what makes me passionate about waking up in the morning and doing a good job at logistics is so that dudes can you know do the job, attack and seize ground, etc. Uh, I can't remember the role of infantry off the top of my head. Sorry, but um, so I've been enjoying myself, um, and I've always said you know if when I stop enjoying myself, I'll get out, I'll do something different, and. You know, when that day comes, I'll uh, I'll think about whacking in the old transfer and having another nudge at that pilot thing. But in the meantime, I'm working, I'm shooting, and having a pretty pretty good time. So I'll just keep doing it. Fair play, yeah. fair, fair enough. Play. That's fair. I got I got to ask, what's the officers' mess like? Obviously, you've been to the OR's mess. So what, what's the, is it is it is it light years apart? <laughs> no, no. In fact, um, you'll love this in the moment. The uh, most people are eating at the soldiers' mess in Robbo because they've got this new grab-and-go thing. It's wild. It's wild. You get like you can get like a halal snack pack from the mess with chips and a can of soft drink instead of sitting down at the mess and then just walk out. It's wild. What? So <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's super awkward at the moment because only the soldiers' mess offers this grab-and-go thing with like you can get kebabs and shit from the mess and just fucking walk out. You don't have to sit down. So. All these all these digs are going into the mess, and there's like fifty majors walking in as well because they want the good shit. They don't want to have to go to the offices and sit down for some swamp. <laughs> yeah, That's awesome. it's about time it changed. Bloody hell! That's see in my mind straight away. All I think, grab and go. Okay, that justifies the battalion or whatever. Just decreasing the lunch break and increasing work. Oh, yeah. it'll work. <laughs> it'll happen for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I believe it. Yeah. Hey, you can go to the grab and go. Why do you need more than 10 minutes for lunch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a method to it. There's the pros and cons. Definitely, yeah. definitely. No. 
But it's it's really good you suggested that. A mate of mine's an OC at five. After this, I'm going to flick him a message. Just be like, wait, you only need to give the boys boys five minutes for lunch. <laughs> just get the grab and go. Because <laughs> <laughs> no one down at five anymore. Well, um, I don't think you joined. Yeah, up congratulations. Again. You've just dogged everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I kind of want to see that happen now, just so. Having you said that, kebabs, man, dead set. There must be some plus sauce soldiers out there now. <laughs> oh, yeah, look, um, there are some people who really need to look at um, look at their physical fitness before they take advantage of the grab and go. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, just I'm just want to look after people's coronary welfare. Um, people should. <laughs> They're a damn soldier. They shouldn't be fat. Let's just say how it is. <laughs> there was a bit of that when we were in as well still. Not a whole lot Not of heaps, but, but yeah. most guys were, like, you put on a bit of chub because of, like, the irregular hours working in bush and so you'd go from skinny having no food out bush and then get back and gorge yourself and yeah. put on a few kegs. But, but yeah, it wasn't, wasn't prominent, that's for sure. No. Mm. Well, so died often. That was an awesome tangent. <laughs> we started at we started at Woolies. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, I got back to food. Uh, Aaron, what's the most dangerous thing you've ever done? Shit, I mean, I don't know if I should. Uh, I should, but the most dangerous thing I've done is also the most stupid thing I've ever done. They generally go hand in so, hand. So. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a fact. So, so I, I had to think about this one a lot. And the most dangerous thing I ever did. Um, so, so me and a friend uh, were going up to an uh, an airport in Erbil in Kurdistan in in northern Iraq, and we were there to do some boring logistics shit, looking at the airfield and airplanes and stuff. But um, we got all that done pretty early. So, so me and my mate went, hey. It's not very often you're in Kurdistan, you know. The opportunities are uh, <laughs> very, very, very wide ranging to travel in Kurdistan, and they went, shall we go get a coffee in town? You know, shall we shall we get a coffee in town? Uh, and I thought, well, fuck, you know, you, you don't you don't often get the chance to try a Kurdish coffee, so fuck it, we'll hop in the car and drive into town and find a cafe. There are a couple of problems with this. Uh, one, none of us had data on our mobile phones, so navigation was challenging to say the least. <laughs> and Erbil is the oldest continually occupied city in the world. Um, so... The streets are designed for vehicles that are the width of a horse's ass. Um, <laughs> and and we are in a big Yank F-150 because um, that's, that's what I had for us to borrow from the airfield. So driving through these streets that are positively fucking medieval um, in an F-150 was uh, was challenging. Um, and uh, I, uh, I actually took out a dude's wing mirror. Um, the streets were like real narrow in the, in the middle of Erbil and there was this nice new Prado sat on the side of the road. And if you've got a new Prado in Erbil, you know, you're, you're probably, I don't know, local celebrity or something. Mm. But I tipped his wing mirror and ripped the prick off. And I was like, <laughs> fuck. So I was driving down the road and then this guy's chasing me. Like he's hopped in and he's fucking chasing me. And he's like shouting at me to pull over. So I, I find somewhere to pull over, and then there's this Kurd, and I don't speak a word of Kurd. I don't. I, I don't even know what Kurds speak. I, I know like barely any Arabic, 
he knows fucking no English whatsoever, and he's just shouting at me, and he's like fucking berating the fuck out of me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just like, hey, very sorry, very sorry, very sorry, very sorry, very sorry. And I, I just want this problem to go away because no one knew we were there. We had no approval to be anywhere other than the airbase, <laughs> and. This was a very, like, if the police showed up, like, holy shit, you know, what was I going to say? So I had, like, a good eight or 900 bucks US in my wallet, and I was about ready to just stick it through the window and be like, mate, please just go away. Uh, but then this guy who's getting frustrated with the fact that I don't speak Kurd and he doesn't speak English gets his son out of the car. And holy shit, his son must go to the best school, the best foreign school in all of Kurdistan because he speaks English better than we do. He's like this eight-year-old kid and he's laughing his ass off because he's like, Haha, my dad is very angry at you. Like, I can fucking tell. And he's like, he wants to know why you drive off. And I'm like, mate, traffic is like 10 miles deep and there's no parking for anything the size of an F-150. You could barely fit a scooter in here, mate. I'm like, I couldn't pull over. I didn't mean to do a hit and run, but I couldn't pull over. And he's like, my dad is very angry with you. I'm like, mate, please tell your dad I am the most sorry man he has ever met. <laughs> and then the son sort of relays this information to his father, and then he comes back and he's like, my dad wants to know who you are and why you are here. <laughs> mate, I'm, I'm just doing work, all right? Like, don't worry about it. And then it's at that point, I think the father kind of thinks that, you know, we might be foreigners who have, you know, we're pasty white guys with funny accents and short haircuts. He's probably like, maybe I don't want to cause an incident with these guys. So my father's like, um, okay, uh, I can't remember what he said, but he's like, my father's very angry with you, but you can go now. And I was like, <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> I'm not going to get arrested and thrown in a in a Kurdistani prison. So we're just like, you know what, shit. Let's we were we were looking for a shawarma. We wanted a nice Kurdish shawarma because, hey, you know, while you're in Kurdistan, you want to try shawarma. But we were like, fuck it, we'll just we'll just go back to base because I don't want anything else to happen that might get me arrested by local police while no one, literally no one in Australia knows we're here. <laughs> and I'm driving, but nav, nav is hard, right? Because you're in this medieval city. Everyone's driving like a madman. Like, holy shit, they drive over there like it's it's nobody's business. And my mate, who's trying to navigate based off a paper map and try and get us back to the airbase, is like, you need to turn right now. And I'm like, a complete wrong lane. So I'm like, fuck, i got to get in front of the traffic. Floor it. Five litre V8 and the old F-150 burbling at the top of her lungs. Race in front of traffic just in time to get to the corner and I have to lay on the brakes to turn this corner. And I stand on the brakes in the middle of Airbill and nothing happens because the throttle is stuck wide open. It is screaming at full noise. And there's a cafe in the opposite corner. The opposite, diagonal opposite of this corner is a cafe where like a 100 local Kurdistanis are having their morning coffee as me is barreling down towards them in two and a half tons of F-150 that won't stop because the throttle is stuck open on the red line at five grand, probably pinging off the limiter. So I, I'm standing on the brake going, ah, fuck, 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 shitting myself. I have to put both feet on the brake and the wheels, are like the brakes lock up. 
And finally, like, I'm about half a metre from the first table of this cafe. <laughs> and the, the engine stops, comes back down off the limiter. Like, it, it must have just got stuck open because this poor thing was sitting in the dirt and dust and wind on the edge of the airfield for, like, years without ever having to drive anywhere serious. And me and my mate sort of look at each other and there's, like, all these surprised people in the cafe, like, what the hell? Did we just get run over by some Yankee and a bloody F-150? <laughs> And I just thought, you know, somewhere out there in the multiverse, there is a Aaron who is still in a Kurdish prison for murdering one hundred people in the cafe for vehicular manslaughter of the nth degree. So, did you get out and get yeah, a coffee? Got to say that. Perfect time. Man. <laughs> you got a cafe, man. No, you, you know, I, I never got that damn coffee. Never got that damn coffee. We went home with our tail between our legs. Let me tell you. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Can you imagine the the uh, headline for the news? <laughs> oh, <laughs> gone through the thing. <laughs> Aussie soldier yeah. killed six Kurdish. <laughs> That's probably one of the yeah, probably bad, the best bad. stories I've heard in a long time. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cracker, man. What else oh, you got? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing. I've got nothing to parallel that level of stupidity. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I think. That could have been better. And so, unfortunately, I cannot tell you what the inside of a Kurdish prison looks like. Well, fortunately, actually, I'm pretty happy I can't answer that question. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, so I'm guessing the drive back from there to base was pretty uneventful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My uh, my cheeks were firmly, firmly clapped together, and uh, my heart rate was was elevated. Are you um, plain clothes or, or uniform? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Plain clothes. Plain yeah. Case. Yeah. We yeah. weren't. We weren't going to drive around town like fifty k's down the road from Mosul um, in uh, in uniform. So, what you drove yeah. fifty k's to get a coffee that you didn't end up getting? <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, fuck. Nah, I'm here now. Screw it. Screw it. <laughs> we, we done it. We done it. <laughs> oh, that awesome. is a great story, yeah. man. To be honest, oh, it was yeah. good times. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Aaron. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh, um, the, this this one will probably make a bit of sense. Actually, my favourite uh, favourite bit of advice uh, was: um, if you can't be good, be colourful. And uh, some will say I've, I've taken that a little bit too much to heart. But the idea <laughs> is, is, you know, like there's, there's always a bigger fish. There's always someone better than you. You know, whether it's shooting or you know your job or I don't know, you know, whatever it is there's always going to be someone who's, who's, who's better than you. Um, so don't take yourself too seriously. Uh, enjoy, enjoy your, your, um, whatever you're doing. And, uh, yeah, you might as well be entertaining if you can't get the gold medal. So yeah, if you can't be good, be colorful. I like it. Yeah, it's good. If you're going to be middle of the pack, holy shit, you don't want to be a boring asshole. Like no one's, no one's got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So is that, you're saying that if you did shoot seriously, you'd be middle of the pack. It's it's actually very good advice though because like, say you're in a job interview, right? There's someone who's more qualified than oh, you, yeah. someone who's better suited to that job, but the person interviewing you thinks, hey, this guy's fun and I actually want to work with him because he's interesting. You're more likely to get the job. So it's good advice in a lot of different arenas. So, right? All I'm thinking is so you'd be like last on the win. <laughs> <laughs> You. Sometimes the skill base just shines through. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but no, it's true. Like how And you most you most enjoy it as well, like just enjoying 
like yourself enjoying every shoot and sort of regardless mm. of how you perform, you're doing something different, you're doing something fun, and you're entertaining others as well. You're not being a robot. That's the goal. Yeah, I like it actually. And one thing I liked about your Instagram as well is you post not only successes but sort of struggles as well, which is yeah, yeah, what works well to get new shoes um, in the in the sport. And and that's exactly right. And that's one because you know it, it gets a laugh, so that's that's great. But uh, people can find rocking up to their first match really daunting. Like mm. if you if you rock up to a club for the first time, you know, I, um, I, I I recall going to my first major IPSC match and being like, holy shit, you know, like, am I going to get DQ'd? You know, like, am I going to be an absolute clown? It, it can be a, a real struggle for new people uh, as of just breaking the barrier into the sport. You know, imagine if you've never been to a rifle range before, even, and you wanted to shoot PRS, say, you know, and you're coming down to a match and checking it out. And and so I want my videos to portray that, hey, like it's a it's a funny and warm environment. And if you haven't tried it before, come on down. Who cares if you shoot like shit? Who cares if you last place? Who cares if you fuck it royally? Um, as long as you got a you got a good attitude and um you want to come down and have fun, it doesn't matter. You know, you'll you'll enjoy yourself and hey, you'll get better too. You know, on the second and third match you'll be better than the first and and you'll pick it up. So you know, I really want, you know, my Instagram to portray that to people out there who are thinking about shooting. To be like, hey, not everyone is an master grade open shooter getting first place gold you know there are people there who are sitting in c grade fucking up every stage and still having the time of their lives yeah you know, or anywhere in between talking about new shooters how do you go at work obviously there's you know some common ground being in the army and shooting but it's not for everybody how do you get much sort of flack from from your peers Oh no, no, not really. Um, so uh, I think um, I, I think most people are most people are into it. You know, most people are really into competition shooting. And I think probably the best example of that is uh, SASR has a has a huge IPSC club there at Swanbourne. Um, oh. They run major matches. Heaps of guys, heaps of guys who are shooters of the regiment participate. Um, and if those guys think that civilian shooting is a worthwhile pursuit, then you know I don't think anyone else is gonna is gonna question that their civilian shooting is a really good um, test of skills and way of improving keeping yourself sharp. Yeah, I don't think anyone would, would argue with that. Mm. Is that uh, using military weapons or is that uh, civilian sort of? Ah, uh, civvy, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, civvy, civvy weapons. It's a civvy club. They, 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 they shoot down there at Swanbourne. Um, and uh, I mean, lot, lots of guys will go, yeah, you know, because if your if your service sidearm is a HK USP, then you can get a civvy USP, so you can shoot a, a facsimile um, for what your service sidearm is. But having said that, there's also plenty of dudes rolling around with the Shadow Twos and whatever the latest IPSC gun is. So. I mean, the skills the skills that make you a good shooter on the clock probably apply regardless of what pistol you're shooting. So I don't think it matters too much, yeah. Probably a good job to have some diversity in weapon platforms anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, being good at whatever you're using. Yeah, it makes sense. You have to be able to run with whatever you pick up, I suppose. So. Mm. Very good. Well, that's, it's definitely something we've talked about a lot on the podcast going back to the – you know, showing the fuck-ups and, and showing people having fun in, in terms of getting new shooters interested in the sport because you do quite often see on, on social media the videos that get put up, it's just so pristine and people do get this perception that, you know, you have to be this level to get into it 
Whereas, you know. Or not have fun while you're yeah, doing it. It's so, yeah. or, so morose and serious. It's, that's the worst well, thing. I, I mean, even if you did have to be at this level, you can still have fun. Like that's – I think that's such a good thing to get across to people is that it's a fun sport. And it's – yep, it's a perishable skill. you got to practice to get really good at it. But, hey, you can have fun along the way and learn from the fuck-ups. But I think it's so admirable to people that – for people that, you know, to see the fuck-ups as well. You you got to see that. Yeah. Like nothing goes 100% to plan on a shoot, on a hunt, whatever. Get it across to people so they realise, hey, oh, fuck, well, if I can get into this, it doesn't matter if I make a mistake. Like I want to do this. Not everyone's a fucking robot and they're just – Hundred percent accuracy. Yeah, and doing that also allows other people to learn from your mistake, and it just helps grow everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And would you say most of the time the talking point is the fuck ups? Like if you're having to <laughs> getting together with everyone afterwards and go, "Hey, like the stories generally what went wrong? Fuck, I missed this. I tripped over here. Whatever." That's generally the talking point, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite things about a good uh, a good competition or IPSC matches, you know, afterwards everyone on the Sunday afternoon hits the, uh, hits the, hit the, you know, put the guns away and then hit the club bar, have a couple of beers and just talk about the funny stories, you know, old mate did this, old mate did that, this happened, that happened. You know, there's, 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 there's plenty of good advice from the pros who are looking to get 1% on their score. Um, and there's, there's at the same time, those same people are also talking about, you know, their 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 fuck ups and and what went wrong and having a laugh for the boys. You know, it's it's great. I love it. In my case, more of the latter rather than the former. But, yeah, <laughs> that's right too. Well, I don't know, man. I think you'd give a lot of people a run for their money. <laughs> you're you're looking pretty switched on on some of your videos, man. Uh, to be honest, lot very very switched. It's good. I think I appreciate yeah. it. No drama. I actually like your um. Your lever gun. That's one of my favourites. I watched you. You had to shoot, throw a kettlebell. Oh, yeah, they look brutal. Get down on the ground, shoot. Fuck and, that. man, I'm like, <laughs> bloody hell. But you're just running the gun smoothly in between. And I'm like, okay. I did notice it, <laughs> which which I was like, oh, okay. You put the, the gun down in the dirt a few times. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> So I um, I borrowed that stage from uh, what's called the brutality matches in the United States, um, which is a two-gun competition that really puts a heavy emphasis on physical challenge and really testing the shit out of your gear. Um, like, you 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 know, you, you work in the dirt, you throw kettlebells, you drag stuff, you crawl through mud and dirt. And, um, like, I've, they've, they've had a brutality match in Finland where, like, there's a stage where you have to jump in an ice pit and shoot <laughs> targets out to 300 metres. I love that. I think uh, adding a physical challenge, uh, one of the things I I wish um, was more available in IPSC is physical challenge because IPSC actually really focuses on the. Although there's movement running around, there's a little bit of physical stuff, it really really emphasises the shooting challenge. And I think putting people under physical duress like those brutality matches do um, is a really, really interesting domain of shooting in Australia that is is not seen. Um, And I think that's a shame because... Once you throw on a 20-kilo kettlebell and your heart rate's doing 200, that will really, really test your fundamentals and um, you, you'll see where the, the bleeding edge of your shooting skills are. And it's completely relevant. You know, it's it's it's, it's relevant um, to hunting and, and to people who are in duty settings as well. You know, if you can't shoot while your heart's doing 200 beats, you're 
probably not going to be able to perform under stress or duress so, yeah. or the adrenaline of whatever's going on. So, yeah, I think um, physical challenge is when I'm, when I'm running a match, um, physical challenge is something I really try and get in there, like that kettlebell throwing event. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, unfortunately, there isn't a discipline, there isn't an official discipline in Australia that emphasises that to the degree I'd, I'd like. So if I, if I could, I'd, I'd start my own... Uh, you know, range derp brutality shooting league, uh, a two gun competition where people have to throw kettlebells and flip tires and shit. But currently, the only member is me. So, work in progress. The, like the reason not many people in Australia do that is is that because no one's actually willing to start it up, or is that because the clubs aren't willing to put people under that sort of physical stress and maybe cause a more of a chance to fuck up. Yeah, I think both factors in play. Like, it's a, it's a relatively new thing in the United States as it is. And whereas, because Australia has really not gotten into multi-gun competitions, other than, like, cowboy action or single action, as it's called now, in a very limited sense, we don't really have anything in the two-gun or the three-gun space. So that discipline hasn't naturally come across to us. But there's no reason why we couldn't, you know, like if if, if your two-gun event in the United States is an AR-15 and a semi-automatic pistol, well, why not have a two-gun event here where you're running a lever gun and a semi-automatic pistol? Like you can still test all the same challenges, which is physical ability, shooting marksmanship out to, say, 300 metres, um, as well as your pistol marksmanship out to, say, 50 metres or 25 metres in a setting where you have to do, you know, multiple targets, multiple movements and maybe, I don't know, carry something heavy, whatever, throw a kettlebell. Um, I think there's no reason why we can't do that here in Australia. It's just unfamiliar. And even in the United States, it doesn't really have an overarching body, whereas, as you know, all the, all the disciplines in Australia really have a, have a sort of global body that, that regulate them. So there's there's no reason why we couldn't. I mean, realistically, anywhere where you could run a PRS, I think, could run a pretty decent brutality-style event. Or even pistol ranges, you just accept the fact that your rifle engagements are going to be a lot shorter distance. Um, but then you can just make your steel targets harder. That's easy to do. You know, if you've only got a 50-metre range, you have a smaller steel silhouette for the steel targets for the rifle. Um, and I think that would be really interesting. You know, you, what you see in the United States is that young people are more into the dynamic shooting sports and these whole events with physical challenge. There's also the uh, the tactical games, I think, in the United States, which is basically just like CrossFit with AR-15s. Um, yeah, really taking off. So yeah, let's bring it. Uh, you know, I I, I want to do it here. If it was available, I would shoot it. And uh, if work and kids didn't allow me to have very minimal time in my day, I would gladly be running it myself at whatever range will let me run it. So yeah, very good, sweet. I I kind of like it, like the theory of it, because out hunting, sometimes you're doing the old Harry Holt, you know, across an open field to, to take a shot or, or cut the deer off or cut pigs off or something like that, you, you know, or you might have to climb up a large hill. Sometimes you might actually have to climb uh, over a rock face or something like that through a water course, as was demonstrated <laughs> last weekend. Um, you know, and and all these things certainly do elevate that heart rate and make that – you're right, it makes the, the basic principles and fundamentals of shooting uh, harder. Uh, I do like it. I do wonder if it's not so as sexy. Like PRS and sort of IPSC is a bit sexy. You know, you've got the Gucci gear and you're clean and you're like, yeah, sick. You've got fluid mo- motions and it sort of looks cool. 
I do wonder if it doesn't take off because <laughs> people look at it and be like, oh, I've got to actually lift yeah. a heavy, heavy Some guy's belt. flailing around on the ground with a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. But I've seen a few, um, few guys in the States and they've had to even do like uh, the old rope climb or wall climb and then tie flips or, or something like that. It looks pretty cool. It does. Mm. Helps having Shit, Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Just see if you can book out the, the OBS course at the – <laughs> put a few targets up <laughs> after every obstacle. That'd be right, actually. Yeah, I'll do that. Well, hey, I, I reckon five. I should go and do that. You know, that's that's combat shooting. Hey, do the obs course and then run some targets. Get around it. That will test your shooting. Yeah. So Fucking five hour is getting the dick or the pineapple <laughs> in this podcast. Yeah. Just kind of see. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm just going to keep a low profile on the barracks after this potty drop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got a few members that are ex ex um, NCOs from Five Two, so that's not going to help. All good. Anyway, Aaron, what is your most treasured possession? Uh, most most uh, treasured possession is uh, my grandfather's passport from 1942, 43, 42, oh. 43 from the Second World War. Oh wow. Um. Yeah, yeah. So he uh, he fought in the Warsaw Uprising in 1944 at the ripe old age of 14. What? And uh, I uh, I have his 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 passport, which uh, has from like 1942 onwards uh, of various comings and goings on it. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I obviously other than it just being a great connection to my grandfather, you know, I'd like to think that. That was probably on him when he was there fighting in the uprising in 44, sticking it to the Germans. Bloody hell. They built them differently back then. Like, imagine 14-year-olds these days doing that. No, they're too worried about, like, gender fluids. No, the the power goes off and their world's ended. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. And um, he he actually, he got got shot in the knee, you know, it's like the... Skyrim meme, you know, I, I used to be an adventurer like you until I got an arrow to the knee, but he got an eight mil Mauser to the knee. Um, and uh, I, I, I remember as a kid sort of, you know, looking at the hole in his kneecap and uh, being quite fascinated by it. Wow. wow. That's cool. Yeah. Is it, that's that's a wild. Story. Yeah. Yeah. You kept you his leg? The, uh, the, the... What's that? Kept his leg. Yeah, on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, completely fine. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he, was, he was quite lucky. Um Remained, uh, remained mobile, didn't lose the leg or anything. But, um, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, you're right. Like the people of people of that age uh, fighting in what was, you know, one of the most intense urban struggles over a period of about 60 days there against the Germans. It's pretty pretty wild to think about. And he wasn't even the oldest, you know, that, that fought in that battle. So, Fought he's very young. It's only just a team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you're uh, never – Young to uh, tool up and stack bad guys. That's uh, <laughs> my takeaway from that one. All right. Well, that's that's taken me by surprise. That that answer, to be honest. I thought I thought maybe you'd you'd pick a gun. I'm assuming you wouldn't say your Adler is the most treasured possession, and I I say that because if anyone's seen your gunsmithing video, yeah. <laughs> 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 <Mr. Kerf>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing you your video as- got taken down on TikTok. Oh, I'm really? so pissed about that. Yeah, yeah, people were getting around it, but TikTok took it down. TikTok's uh, a little funny. Like I'm, I'm, I'm on account warning on TikTok. Oh, wow. Such a load of shit. 
Yeah. But yeah, my <laughs> my gunsmithing video. I don't know what what about that video uh, means I don't love my animal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picking up that you'd you you'd class them as a tool. It is it is a tool, like in a very derogatory sense. So in the example of that freaking TikTok video, I was halfway through a prac shotgun stage and I all of a sudden got a dead trigger. And I was like, what the hell? Like, run that, nothing, nothing, dead trigger, dead trigger. And then I take my hand off and the trigger falls out of the gun. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then I'm looking around on the ground to find the trigger pin had just, I don't know, just decided to yeet itself out of the receiver into the ground. Oh. <laughs> um, so that that infamous TikTok video of me bashing it with a bit of wood is me trying to get the pin back into the receiver. <laughs> <laughs> it's called the Franken-Adler now. You'll notice it's got a different coloured barrel because I blew up the original. You blew so, up the original. How did you yeah. manage that? Uh I'm I'm not too sure what happened. I may have been putting slugs through a tight choke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but uh, I did that. I did. I put like a whole box of slugs through it, and nothing happened. And then I just looked at it one day, and the barrel was all fucked up. I was like, oh, it's not too good. <laughs> so yeah, bit lucky there. It's Could a have banana peeled in your head. <laughs> 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 Jesus. <laughs> until until I shot the shotgun nationals this year, like I've I've never really done a lot with shotguns at all. Like I don't I don't know how shotguns work. Like I'm just used to ever since I was a young kid, I was a pistol shooter, right? I don't you know, pistols you just put ammo in them and they go bang. I didn't realise that shotguns have like different chokes and different kinds of ammo. You know, I just put the shells in and pull the trigger and see what happens and I don't know, apparently you blow up your barrel if you push slugs through a tight choke. Full joke. There you go. There's another one for learning from from previous mistakes. <laughs> oh yeah. How does yeah, the uh, uh, the little reflex sort go on with the Adler? Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect for IPSC prac shotgun, and I don't know. I'd imagine it'd be good for pigs in the scrub too. I suppose because you know you just you just point it, and that dot is there, and you just put the dot in front of the clay target or the steel target you're trying to drop. And uh, yeah, smash that, smash that trigger, and and like on on close range targets, it's great because you you don't even have to put the dot on the target. You just you just whiz it up, and as soon as you see that flash of red, you you know you're pretty much in the right spot, and you just hit it. Yeah. Um. I, you you you'll see most of the guys um most of the guys uh winning the prac shotgun nationals or the IPC shotgun nationals are running like the Barracker Black Ops, the mag-fed stuff in the main. Uh, can't get that here in WA, rip. <laughs> but they've, they've, all got, they've all got like a reflex red dot on top. Yeah. Um, it's, just, it's just the fastest sighting system. People are often going for a bigger window than I have there. That's a pretty small dot. Um, people are going for like the larger hollow sun holographic stuff. But I already had that, so it costs zero dollars. So yeah. That's what I'm running, but yeah. Yeah, nice, nice. Beautiful. I'd like to get another one day. Yeah. I should probably do it before the laws tighten up and become ridiculous. But, yeah, I'd definitely would like – I'd like to give IPSC a go, to be honest. And that's a good justification yeah, to get new guns in South Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not sure if you have that in um, WA. you got to, you got to pretty much provide a detailed reason now as to – why your other rifles or firearms or pistols can't do the same job as what you've got. 
Yeah, in, in WA, it's really bad. So it, people get surprised when I tell them I have two 303s in WA on an open license. They're like, how'd you do that? And the, the justification I have is that one has an optic and one doesn't, mm-hmm. um, which, is, which is a pretty common justification here in WA. But if you want to go more than two of the same caliber, um, it's, it's, a, it's an uphill battle here in WA. Um, and my pistols, I'm on my fourth, fourth or fifth nine millimeter at the moment, and I have to give a detailed explanation of different IPSC divisions and why they require different pistols. It's it's um it's good times. Yeah. I think the person you're telling probably has zero idea on what you're on about. Yeah. They're just oh. like, yeah, that's different words I, from the last. So <laughs> I, I don't want to impugn the honor of the fine <laughs> folks at WA licensing who are currently reviewing my application for another nine millimeter. <laughs> I postulate. <laughs> I postulate you're correct. <laughs> Uh, just let us know when it's improved and then we'll release this. Yeah, <laughs> 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 well put. All right, we'll, we'll change tact a bit here, Aaron. What is your favourite movie? Oh, um, without a shadow of a doubt, Terminator 2. Um, there, there, is, there is no greater uh, film ever or ever will be. You know, obviously as a gun guy, Terminator 2 is great. You know, everything from the, the lever action 87, you know, the, the, the Beretta, the 1911s, um, uh, he he nails the T1000 with the M4 carbine on top of the truck towards the end of the film. Obviously, the wombat gun, the 40 millimeter. Yeah. <laughs> um, Terminator 2 is actually the first movie I can ever remember watching as a kid, and just loved it ever since. It probably has no small part to do with my love of firearms. Is Terminator 2? You know, it's it's the perfect action movie. So, a close second would be Aliens. Um, who who doesn't love the uh, the pulse rifle? But yeah, Terminator 2. Uh, aliens? I don't think I've seen Aliens, Predators. What? Alien, alien versus yeah, alien Predators? Versus predator, alien. No, stop, stop. <laughs> aliens, the original. Disregard anything involving Aliens versus Predator. Those movies are garbage. <laughs> Go and watch Aliens immediately after this podcast. You seriously haven't seen Aliens? Are you, are you talking about the one where there's that girl? Uh, now you're making shit up. No. Nah, oh, and the guy? Are you talking about Sigourney Weaver? <laughs> Possibly. No, don't put words in his no, mouth. No, I have, to. Go, I have to. Otherwise, we'll be going um and ah for ten minutes. He has no idea what he's talking about. He's just fishing. No, nah, no, nah, she's got. I can. Sit, I can. So, she's got hair. Picture her. Aliens. The Colonial Marines have what they call the M forty one A pulse rifle, which is actually a Thompson gun dressed up with sci fi stuff, and the grenade launcher underneath is a cut down Spaz twelve shotgun. It's iconic. You have to see Aliens. It's <laughs> one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah, I'm get, see, I'm not the only one that hasn't yeah. watched it, Shannon. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to give it a go. Actually, I think I know yeah. the one that you're talking about. Is it? Is a setting? I'm inclined to say a space station that gets overrun, but I don't think it is. Yes, it, it is. is. Yeah. Oh, no, right. it, oh, it's it's a colony on a planet, but whatever. Yeah, yeah you, you basically got it. And the the main character is a chick that ends up kicking ass, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, yeah. Oh, boom. I'm of on course it. you've seen <laughs> it. It's pretty I've well entrenched it. in like pop culture, man. Like you would have been seen it. pop culture. It's been a while though. Like since yeah, it's it been was, a while. Yeah. Been a long. I can't time. remember shit about it. But yeah. Bloody hell, actually, I don't mourn the the predator movies, but that's way far fetched. But <laughs> that's all right. Aliens. Oh, immediately, I thought Aliens versus Predator. I really did. So, do you watch movies and sort of nerd out on the the gun stuff and any sort of space things like that, Aaron? I'm taking it. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, like anyone that watches a film with me, um, like prepare your, um, prepare yourself. Like, 
Um, there was an episode of um, Peaky Blinders where the main character has, uh, and that's set in like the 1920s or some shit. Yeah. He's got an SMLE, but he's got the wrong SMLE. He's got a 308 Ishapur. And you can tell that because the magazine's a different shape between the 308 and the 303. And I'm like, that's the wrong fucking SMLE. He's carrying a 308 Ishapur. <laughs> and my wife is like, please, shut the Don't fuck ruin up. it for me. <laughs> or, like, if you've seen Gravity with Sandra Bullock, like, space movies are even worse. Yes. Like, like uh, Gravity with Sandra Bullock, like, you cannot watch that movie with me because I will just be autistically spurging out about how factually inaccurate that movie is. <laughs> <laughs> The, the Chinese space station is in a completely different orbit to the International Space Station. You can't just go from one to the other. It's not how that works. No, no, it's not that attitude. That's a whole separate conversation. But, yeah, you know, like um, I've paused movies before with friends to be like, oh, you know, like that's a really cool f- firearm um it's 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 historically accurate for instance in danger close long term great australian war movie by the way that the Viet Cong have um awesome. stg 44s the german sturmgewehr of world war ii fame and uh one of my mates was like oh like the prop department ran out of kalashnikovs why is that guy carrying an stg 44 and i'm like no 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 let me stop you right there <laughs> at the end of world war ii the Soviets captured all these STG-44s from the German Wehrmacht and then later donated them to North Vietnamese's military aid, and that's how they came to be in possession of Viet Cong in the Battle of Long Tan. And that's why it's actually historically accurate for the Viet Cong to have German Sturmgewehrs at the Battle of Long Tan. And my mates were like, you need to... <laughs> <laughs> Get laid. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, I like it, though. It's good. No, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it is. It is um, not possible to watch a space movie or any movie involving firearms with me. You will regret it. Mm. Um, is at wanna, least what my friends and wife tell me. So I kind of want to pick a movie now, an older movie, and watch it with you just, just to experience this. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've talked about it a, f- a few times on the podcast about watching movies where. You know, there's actually good examples of people running a gun. So, for example, like mm. John Wick and Keanu Reeves. But he, it's Hollywooded yeah. up a little bit. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. Hollywooded up because you've got to make it still look good. But at least you know he knows the mm. fundamentals. And I've watched stuff where he's actually been out, you know, learning what he's doing. It's not all just Hollywooded up. And He's quick, man. Yeah, it's pretty quick. Fuck, so you, he's quick. Have you got a favourite of, of you know, Hollywood who sort of can run a gun? Oh, Keanu's hard to hard to beat because you've obviously seen him doing all that training. He actually does a lot of three gun training for for that, which is why the John Wick movies are like three gun the movie, especially in in, in John Wick three when like the bad guys are all armored, but he gets out this nine millimeter PCC and he can't shoot the bad guys because they're armored up. And it's like, yeah, you've got a nine mil PCC. If you picked up any AR fifteen, you would have been able to blaze right through that body armor. But anyway, <laughs> that's a separate round. The John Wick movies are basically like three gun the movie. The the definitive one for me has got to be Val Kilmer in Heat, right? Like as a gun guy, Heat is just like one of the best movies ever. But the 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 tack reload that Val Kilmer does on his Colt carbine, it's pre M4, so he's got like a Colt model, whatever that carbine is. The attack reload he does in that shootout at the bank is was actually used by U.S. Marines as instruction on like, hey, 
And this is how you do attack reload under fire while doing fire and movement. So, yeah, heat, heat, uh, that scene would probably be the one for me with Val Kilmer. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously, uh, Al Pacino's got the FNC. He's got the FNC in that scene. And De Niro has some other kind of cult. The sergeant from Saving Private Ryan has... I think he's got a galil, and they've all got those sick chest rigs under their suits, the bank robbery. <laughs> yeah, that scene in Heat is just, as a gun guy, holy shit, it's fantastic. <laughs> nice, the old gun porn. <laughs> we like it. It's oh. good, though, when they get it right or, or they get it close to right. You're sort of like, oh, yeah, I can get behind this yeah, movie. Yeah, and, and unfortunately those scenes like movies like john wick or hate where the director like really has a focus on firearms being accurate just seems super rare you know most most hollywood types don't give a shit about firearms like obviously yeah. alec baldwin yeah, I was about to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, some sus was going on that day <laughs> it was all intentional Halle berry does a good uh good run she obviously trained I think with Keanu Reeves for that movie as well, and watching she, her, she did the same. Yeah, like it's fucking intense. Like both of them, you just like, okay, you are now on my top tier of actors because of the length that you're willing to go through to make it seem sort of realistic, which is good. Because one of my pet peeves actually with with movies, have you ever seen like guys will will start. And they'll they'll aim, and then suddenly it'll cut to another scene, and they're, you know, instinctively instinctively shooting from the hip. And you're like, yeah, it's not happening. <laughs> like, like you just ruined it. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> I'm out. I'm gonna have a beer. All those ones where they're like they aim down like a scope, but then they're not actually looking down the scope. They're looking above it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like yeah. you got to do it. Do it properly. That that brings me to a question the, um, you said before. Sorry, just quickly. Uh, you're running your your three hundred three with your not your trigger finger. It, was that difficult to get used to? Oh, that is his trigger finger. <laughs> oh, I, I, I need to practice that more because I'm actually I'm actually uh, I'm actually not very good at that. I need to practice that more. Um, so you'll see on the long range shots, I do go back to a trigger finger for better accuracy. But what you're supposed to do is run the bolt with thumb and forefinger and just slap the trigger with your um, middle finger, middle finger for close range fast shooting. Mm. I need to practice that some more. But according to the old boys, you know, that's what they did at um, bloody in Korea and World War Two and World War One when the bad guys were coming over the top and you, you needed to run those three O's real fast. Um, you know, apparently there was like one battle in the Korean War where, um, and it might have even been three hour at Kapyong. But apparently they were shooting those 303s so quick that the receivers got so hot that the bolts were like sticking to the receivers. Wow. Bloody arrows. Um, that's a that's an intense rate of fire for a bolt gun. But yeah, so apparently what you do, or even ring finger, you ring finger you could do. So you got three fingers on the bolt and then just ring finger the trigger. Um I need to I need to practice that and get better at it for nationals next time and then maybe I'll beat that one smart ass who has the bloody eighteen ninety long tom. Yeah. That'd be a good feat though. Everyone's always up for a bit of fingering, so <laughs> speak for yourself, bro. How, how did you go coming across that information with the um running the bolt and then slapping it with the ring finger? Oh well um 
primarily primarily uh looking at those those guys on on youtube running 303s and multi-hour gun competitions in the us um another excellent one for that kind of content is uh bloke on the range over in switzerland who's a english fellow living in switzerland he's got lots of awesome guns and really informative gun content on youtube so they all they all talk about that and like any old boy at the range like if you go to the range with the 303 all the old boys are like do you know how to use your middle finger and i'm like hey what are we talking about here like, <laughs> yes i do <laughs> Never have I pulled a 303 out at a match without like the old boys descending on me like a cloud of flies to impart their Enfield knowledge. It's it's a real danger. (laughs) (laughs) It is dangerous at a range because it is. They love imparting some wisdom. Fuck. Yeah, we shouldn't pay the old fellas out. No, they're good. They do. They do. Oh no, they, they actually do bring. You know, some wisdom and some knowledge yeah. over the time. It's just, yeah. I mean, we, we give them shit sometimes because, like, sometimes you just want to fucking shoot and they feel the need. But that's just old blokes. Like, they just want to have a chat, chinwag. And if they're volunteering and they, their range fees are getting paid by being a range officer for the day, they, they've got nothing else to do than have a chat with you. So, fair enough. That's up. where you'll be in, in 20 years' time. <laughs> 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 100%. I always give those old coaches the, the, the time of day because I hope when I'm the senile 70-year-old ROing a range and telling stories about my deployment to Iraq in 2017, I hope whatever young boy is getting subjected to that incredibly boring story listening to whatever crap I have to say. So. <laughs> so I'm worried that there won't be anyone new when we're 70 years old to to pester just with the gun oh, culture in Australia. Not that attitude. This is true. Well, that's why I, that's that's why what you guys do with the podcast is so important, and that's what I try and do on Instagram. Yep. Is you know get the next generation of shooters around it, and I think uh, if we keep doing that, then then young people will, will keep shooting, and that won't be a problem. I'm hopeful at least. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think we yeah we're all hopeful actually. Yeah, I mean if we keep showing that it's fun and it's a good way to spend time with your mates, then I think that's. It's going to keep going, so. Yeah, yeah, to some degree. It's just whether we can get these laws or the government just to stop etching away at our liberty. Let's not go down that tangent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole other rabbit hole, right? It is. is indeed. All right, Aaron, recommend someone to be a guest on this podcast. I've I've got a good one for that. I think if you haven't already if you haven't already done them, um, but just to return very briefly to the most egregious Hollywood fucking thing I've ever seen in my oh, entire life, go for it. is the, the Ant Man movie, where <laughs> they wanted Ant Man to be able to stop the gun from shooting with ants, and the ants get in the way of the hammer to stop the hammer from falling, <laughs> but but the gun the guy was carrying was a Glock. So it doesn't have a hammer. So they CGI'd a hammer onto the back of the Glock 19 or 17 that that agent was carrying so they could have ants get in the way of the hammer to stop it from falling. And it's like, oh, wow. you took a striker-fired gun, put it in the hand of this guy, and then CGI'd a hammer on it so the ants could stop the hammer from falling. Why didn't you just have someone on set who knew anything about guns, <laughs> like law enforcement guns that have a hammer, SIG, P226, like it's one of the most co- Beretta uh, ninety two, like some of the most common firearms in law enforcement and military around the world, already have a hammer. 
So why did you take a striker fired gun and then CGI a fucking hammer on the back of it just so Ant Man could stop it from shooting with ants? Because <laughs> it doesn't look cool. Like, that's <laughs> like, my 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 brother in Christ. Someone on set needs to know something about guns, please. <laughs> it's so it's so easy. How much would you pay to CGI a hammer onto the back of a block? Like why? Why? That's a fair call. Sorry, this that. That uh, that's the closest I've come to walking out of a movie in a long time. Um, no, that's fair. I, I will not get over that. There's as a passionate Glock shooter, I will not get over that. Well, there's prop companies out there that you can obviously these the uh, whatever film company can hire off of. Like surely, and you're right. Surely there's someone on if they're going to use guns in a movie. Surely there's a subject matter expert there that can be like. Hold on a sec, motherfuckers. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. whoa. <laughs> Pump the brakes. 100%. Like, let's just spend $5 yeah. on a hiring a different prop. <laughs> yeah, instead of spending $2,000 CGIing a hammer. More than that. Jeez, that's conservative. You know what they probably did? They're probably like, oh, we've got a CGI ant, so let's just CGI a hammer. That's, fair. So that's probably what <laughs> they've done. That's, yeah. They probably CGI the whole gun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, mean, well. That one has always burned my brain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, while we're back on this, the one that gets me is the the pump action that gets cycled like about thirty times. Yeah, or that. Yeah, yeah. They cock it in one scene and then they recock it two seconds later in another scene. You're like, you just spin around, mate. <laughs> oh, fuck. Every time, every time. Yeah, that does me too. <laughs> It's a shocker. Oh, that and the never-ending magazines. Like, yeah, yeah. to be honest, oh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies are terrible for it. They are, you know, the, there's no reload. It's just like he's got that uh, M60 and it's just, you know, doesn't stop. There's no reloads. <laughs> You're like, okay, <laughs> okay, how much ammo can one man carry? Infinity. Yeah. Oh, except T two. Now the the gun stuff in T two is pretty pretty good. I'll I'll raise the flag in honor of uh, Terminator two as my favorite movie. That, that one's <laughs> alright for an Arnie movie. Does he reload that but, uh, that lever gun? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, there's one scene in the movie where he chucks it at the kid. He chucks it at John Connor to stick more shells in it, um, which you'd be doing all the time with an eighty seven because I think they only hold like four or five. But maybe there was a different director on that movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or a subject but, matter. Uh, re- recommendation for for a guest on the podcast. Have you guys done uh, Gun Girl Danielle yet? Has she been on? I feel no. like she should have been. No, not yet. Not no. yet. No. Do you guys Do you guys know Gun Girl Danielle? We do. Yeah, yep. we, we do. We follow each other on Instagram. What, why why the yeah, Why yeah, the recommendation? So, so she's she's she's, she's awesome. She, in fact, she just picked up a second place in the states here, a state titles here in WA. Oh, um, so she's really big into her clay target shooting, but also shoots uh, like long range rifle and hunting as well. Um, like pretty much all forms of shooting. Um, she's always constantly threatening to take me to a clay target range because I've never done that before. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. So so next time I'm in Perth with some time to spare, she's going to take me clay target shooting and 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 school me at the clay target range. And uh, I'm 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 going to reciprocate by taking her to an IPSC. So I can school her at pistol, but uh, <laughs> I, I think Danny's Danny's fantastic. She's quite funny. She she should definitely be on the podcast if she hasn't yet already. Then you've got to get Danny on, um, and she's an avid hunter as well. 
Yeah. yeah. See, I got um, I got a little bit confused actually because I thought she lived in the states at one stage. So <laughs> what gave you that? So idea? well, she's she, I've seen her use some ARs and she might have obviously been there in the, on holidays or, or whatever. But I'm like, wait a second, aren't you from Perth or WA? I'm like, hang on, are you here? Because she's she was doing it in her double S double A. She's got a uh, she's obviously got a, a tire on that she. She's she's wearing for the shotgun shooting, and there's that double S double A badge, and I'm like, whoa! And are you are you over there or here? But yeah, yeah, we do do follow her, and congratulations to her actually for for taking it. Second was it? Yeah, second in the state tower titles. I don't know what that means because I know precisely <laughs> fuck all about shotgun shooting. That, yeah, yeah. All, awesome. all I know is that Danny Danny's constantly taking the piss out of me for the Adler because uh, I guess being a clay target shooter, you lock down at any shotgun that costs less than like five thousand dollars. I guess. Hundred yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> percent. Yeah, clay target shooters are just the biggest snobs. Um, so, uh, yeah, gorgeous, she's, I'm constantly taking the piss out of her for that, and she's taking the piss out of me for this piece of crap Adler. So, um, guys at the ski when range I get sc- that what like, roll around with like thirty thousand dollars shotguns, I'm like, ah, yeah. fuck, like it's insane, man, <laughs> yeah. insane. But it's it's crazy. The um the Beretta wrap. At nationals, um, I, saw, I forget his name, but he was like, "We had a guy bring in a silver pigeon that he seracoded camo, and it was like some limited edition Beretta silver pigeon." Oh, so I was yeah. like, "Oh, cool! Why not? Like, why wouldn't you seracode your Beretta silver pigeon?" And he's like, <laughs> "That'd almost be blasphemous for Beretta, wouldn't it?" <laughs> That's what's put me off seracoding my limited edition. Too. Yeah. Is a limited edition silver pigeon a nice gun? I mean, I don't know. So. <laughs> it, actually, that's that's the one that I'd like for skeet is, is silver pigeon or a DT11. But hey, they're light years apart. Oh, it's decent jump. Fucking three grand, ten or twelve grand. Well, Caleb's got to get a shotgun. He's been looking at a couple of straight pulls actually lately. Haven't you? All the past twelve months. Yeah, I've switched focus now. I'm I'm going to get a two two three next rather than a shotgun. Well, we all um, know you can't use a shotgun. Yeah, oh, so because I've he's got T Rex arms, man, and it's like, Meh. yeah. Oh, yeah. Got, oh. <laughs> it's only because I've used shotgun less than everyone else. So whatever, you guys go shooting every fucking weekend, shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, if you come, you get better. Well, true. <laughs> <laughs> you can take care of my kids for me. Yeah. Bring them along. There's Done. Kids there. <laughs> anyway, while we're talking about firearms, I'll change the wording of the last question. What was your first firearm, Aaron? Shit. Um, so first one that I owned or first one that I shot? Well, we usually go with first one you own, but, hey, take us on the journey. Yeah, so I mean, first one I shot would have been. Um, I remember my dad's Anschutz twenty two bolt action rifle. Oh, nice! And um, so I was just a young tacker, but I remember um, he used to tell me it was a magic trick. But he would put a uh, balloon, blow up a balloon inside a different coloured balloon, and tell me to aim for the outside of the balloon. And then when I shot it, it would magically change colour. And uh, I thought that was just the coolest thing ever as a kid. That, that is yeah, yeah. Thing. So I've got fond memories of shooting that little twenty-two bolt gun as a kid. Um, the first one I bought with my own dime was a number four Enfield, nineteen forty-two Savage. 
That's savage. Nice. Um, and that's that's the one i use that ipsc nats so i have that to this day um all all those years later um i just i I happened to walk into the the vra range at bendigo and uh one of the old boys there had a a number four enfield and he's like yeah i'm selling it for 400 bucks and i was like yeah cool okay i'll i'll buy that and and i'm glad i did because holy shit you'll not get a completely immaculate unmolested number four or any enfield really unmolested for 400 bucks anymore so (laughs) i picked it up um i shot some camels with it in the northern territory that was fun um shot a few anzac day service rifle matches with it and ipsc nationals now so yeah it's a that's a damn fun rifle and you know, for all I know, that rifle could have landed at D-Day at Normandy yeah. on Gold or Juno Beach with some Brit or Canadian shit. It could have been at the Battle of Arnhem in, you know, Operation Market Garden, 1944. Um, you know, that's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, and now, you know, probably some Brit carried that rifle in the Second World War and managed to survive not getting killed by the Germans in bloody landing at Normandy in 1944. And here I am bloody running around shooting IPSC with it. So <laughs> Nice. You've painted one of your Enfields, haven't you? Oh, shit, no. Oh, no, no, no. I can't believe you would accuse me of doing anything that crass. (laughs) (laughs) I would not molest a 1942 (laughs) Enfield, believe me. Um, I have painted in a Bodie baby poo my 357 lever gun, but that's just a Rossi, so. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's the the baby poo gun. People get really, really upset about that. They're like, what the hell have you done to this gun, man? I'm like, it's a lever action Rossi from Brazil. It costs like 1100 bucks. Who cares? Calm down. And it's my Blood Diamond rifle. Oh, my God. You like Blood Diamond, right? That's another <laughs> great movie. The gun <laughs> yeah, guy. It, is. it is a good movie. Um, who doesn't want to be Leonardo DiCaprio in Blood Diamond with that uh, cult carving? Um, so, yeah, baby, baby, my baby poo. 357 was uh was inspired by those Rhodesian fowls in baby poo. So yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, you you just touched on uh hunting some camels. Do you actually do much hunting? No, I would really, really, really like to do more. Um, so the uh the camel cull in the Northern Territory was just pest camels and that was a hell of a lot of fun. Yep. Um and you know, you're helping out a station owner who has like just hundreds of camels wrecking their life and wrecking fences and otherwise making life cattle farming difficult. Uh, so that's that's something I would really like to do more of. Um, otherwise, hunting, like the only other things I've really done is like bunny blasting with the 22, you know, as you do when you're a kid. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's uh, that's something I'd, I'd really like to do more of. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd love to get down to the high country or Tassie or shit. A mate of mine's just gone to New Zealand for a deer hunt, and that looked spec-fucking-tacular. Mm. Um, I'd love really love to do that i'd love to be able to you know put put my own venison in the fridge um but uh you know time and uh, time and opportunity you yeah, right. yeah, you gotta you gotta prioritize your effort yeah. oh sorry i've been magpie geese shooting in the northern territory well. <laughs> oh, wow. um, which is uh which is always always entertaining um a very unique experience the old getting the old magpies uh magpie geese in the northern territory that just went to my german shepherd so Oh no! <laughs> really? No. Well, I, I didn't. I didn't know what to do with it. Like, holy shit! I I didn't even know. You know, I I, I just knew. Like, you, you get your permit to shoot magpie geese, and then um, 
you know, you, you go to the, 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 the dam area and you and you shoot magpie geese and you can shoot four a day and you have to take the meat. You know, those are the regulations. Um, so we did that and I had all this this magpie uh, geese breast and I didn't know what to do with it. So, yeah, the German shepherd, uh, Keisha, my dog, she ate well that night. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, she knew that. what to do. Yeah, yeah. she knew exactly what to do. <laughs> Probably didn't even touch the swords as it went down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know that uh, yeah. you you obviously touched on. You can hunt crown land in Darwin. You can get a crown land permit. There's a there's a couple of spots just up the highway on the right, past Adelaide River Bridge on the right. You could almost drive past it, but there's pigs there. There is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I've 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 actually got some some friends uh, outside army in the Northern Territory who who are often down that way, and I'm hoping to be able to get out. Um, maybe uh, maybe take this out and uh, and go out with those fellas for uh, for um, to check that out because I've never done that before. I'm super keen to super keen to get on that. Yeah, yeah you'll be hooked on pigs. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it it almost suits you like fast pace, multiple lot. Uh, multiple targets, just yeah, it's 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 sick, and you've got to move with the mob, you know. So definitely, definitely would suit you. <laughs> definitely, yeah, is I'm, there? I'm keen to give it a look. Is there much hunting opportunities in WA? We don't know much about WA because we sort of just poo hoo it as not part of Australia. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, because of the gun laws, the Darwin East. Because, yeah. because of the gun laws. I mean, but. we've had one WA guest, so we've had Jason from Hunt, Catch, Cook, and he mm. sort of mentioned that really it's just pig. It's what you got to get out for and what he does mostly. So how have you found it? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's private land only, um, and – Certainly, down in the anywhere near Perth or anywhere that people actually live, um, I, I, I definitely wouldn't be surprised that pigs are um, pigs are the only game in town. Um, I know up north, um, much like anywhere in sort of remote central Australia, that there's like goats, camels, donkeys are all rife. Um, there are certainly plenty of um, plenty of um, government uh, ed districts up north that do culls. But uh, yeah, you know, unless you unless you know a private landowner that's um uh, wants you to assist with their camel, donkey, or goat problem, um, yeah. it's uh, it's it's not a thing here in WA, unfortunately. Mm. I mean, it's, it is much the same in in South Australia where we are, in that it's all private land. There's no public land available to go hunt, so it is disappointing because there's so much opportunity, and the government could make so much money off hunters. Honestly, opening up state forests to go hunting in. It seems. Far fetched though it's not a thing in WA with the amount of of crown land. I mean, you've got the Kimberleys and all that. That's vast, vast, vast space. Yeah, uh, you know that you don't. You wouldn't like in Adelaide. It's Adelaide Hills has a lot of crown land, but it's very populated. A lot of housing. You know, yeah, okay, it might be ten acre blocks or a you know a couple hundred acre blocks, but there's a lot of it between the the crown land. Whereas WA, it seems. A lot bigger. Like it, it, just, <laughs> well, it just seems Perth and then there's no, no, like uh, uh, uninhabited. Like uh, as I said, uh, the Kimberleys is is huge. Like, why why couldn't you pay for a permit to hunt the Kimberleys? Well, okay, there might not be much yeah. out there, but you know, <laughs> there's no people to, to accidentally shoot. Is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I just drove to Darwin. I just had to take a car, run up from Perth to Darwin, and I. 
Um, I had to stop several times uh, for goats, like mobs of goats crossing the highway, um, like north of Carnarvon. I can't remember how far north I was, but somewhere between Carnarvon and Darwin. It's like 2,000 k's, whatever. <laughs> um, and I'm like, shit, instead of having the government waste our taxpayer dollars on culls and baits, charge me 100 bucks for a crown land permit and I'll bloody go to town on those goats. I got the 357 ready to go. <laughs> I'm there tomorrow. I'm there tomorrow. I'm I want to do goat curry. Yeah. I want to make a goat curry and I will sort that problem out for you and I will pay you to do it. So please, just uh, let me at it. And pretty much every hunter would do the, exactly the same thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. So bloody oath. It, yeah, it's, it baffles me because you're right. The, the government can – so it's a revenue stream for the government or a possible revenue stream for the government. So what, why don't they take the opportunity and learn from places like Victoria or New South Wales, you know? I don't understand why it's not a federally sort of managed system. Well, it's because the people in power have no idea about guns and it's a fear factor. And yeah, people... Uneducation is definitely a huge so, aspect to it of, of people mm. in, in positions of authority. There's yeah. no doubt about that. But I've got a burning question. Burning. And it, it is, yeah. It's, it's a lot of burning questions. It's, burning. it's like fucking syphilis on STD, You're obviously in Darwin. And to me, Darwin and Queensland is the pinnacle of fishing in, in Australia. Like it fucking doesn't get any better. Do you do much fishing? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, I know. That's a super controversial statement. Um. I like if my mates are going fishing and I'm like, hey, if you want me to sit on a boat and drink piss and listen, <laughs> you know, to, to you guys talking shit, 100%, I'm there, you know, I'm there. Uh, and, I, and I do that, but I have no skill. I mean, I, I wasn't blessed with many skills um, in the genetic lottery and none of them were spent on fishing. You know, like in the old RPG of life, I spent zero <laughs> points on the skill that is fishing. Well, you just got to be colourful fishing. <laughs> <laughs> just use, use your Adler, man, and when they're, when they're close to the water, boom! <laughs> I would have more luck with that than any fishing rod that I've ever Oh, yeah. damn. You know what you should do? Apply for some croc permits and when they hit up Shady Camp, just go down the river, on the boat, sink some piss and sit there with your 357 as soon as you see a croc, boom. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I could, I would. If I could, I'd be there. I'll give that a go. 100%. Yeah, definitely do that, croc hunting. It'll be good. I was thinking about it the other day actually and I'm like, well, you know, apart from finding a big one, they just sit there. It's not like... Yeah, you can go to the side of a bank in Darwin and just like oh, on no. low tide look, and you'd be like, "Oh, just so they're opening up for hunting." The first bit would be like that, but then they'll clue on. It's like going hunting on a um, property that hasn't been had any shooters for ten years, and the rabbits just sit there. But then the crocs will work out what's going on, and they'll fuck off as soon as they see it. Yeah, so like, right, there's a period of time, a grace period of time, where it's just they haven't been touched in how long? <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't know if you know, but they, they when I was up in Darwin, they would uh, every couple of years they'd hand out a, a thousand permits for for crocs. Do they still do that? No, as I understand, that's not not currently done. Um, but uh, there's certainly been people saying that it, it should come back because the numbers are, are huge. Right, numbers are, are very healthy. Um, you know, it's not like back in the croc Dundee days where there was like endangered species because everyone was was nabbing them. So. Um, 
there's these people who are asking for it and I think that's a great idea because you know you you go down anywhere and there's just thousands of the bastards there waiting to waiting to chomp your dogs so yeah why not yeah, I heard they were thinking about maybe opening up a season for them, mm. or if that was, it was what they were thinking, or was proposed. I'm not proposed, sure. I think. Yeah, I heard the same thing. I, I think that was the proposal, maybe with a sale of tags. I know it's been yeah. proposed before, um, and I, th- I think that's a that's a great idea too. But I think it looks sweet having a full taxidermy yeah. of a croc on the wall. Yeah. That'd be something <laughs> worth travelling for, although it wouldn't be difficult uh, until they got wary. Yeah, it did just look awesome, man. Absolutely awesome spread out on your wall. Mm. There's there's axis deer in Darwin. It's far and few between, but they're, they're uh, chittle. Uh, and I think fallow. I've seen a couple of fallow taken from Darwin. I don't know how ripe they are, but uh, you'd probably have to look for them. But they're, they're about somewhere. <laughs> good luck finding them. It's a good description. <laughs> But oh, we one, of the, one of the things, sorry, one of the things that really appeals to me about that is the skill involved, right? Um, like in terms of like tracking and finding, and like the the, the skills. I've I've never done that before, so the skills involved in uh, tracking and stalking and all that, I, I find that really fascinating. Um, when I went camel shooting, like there was no skill involved whatsoever because there's just like a a mob of fifty camels and they just sort of stand around with a confused expression on their faces as you gun them down. But. Um, <laughs> Uh, camels camels are dumb as dog shit like they certainly the mob that uh that we encountered um didn't want to move until about three or four of them had been dropped so <laughs> and even then they were walking at a pretty sedate pace like they weren't too worried you just start feeling um, bad for them just dumb as dumb as <laughs> um but uh, so I, I find like the whole um, deer stalking thing like really fascinating in terms of a skill set, um, and it's not, you know it's not just about the physical challenge. Then it's about the the mental game and your your skills as a survivalist. I find that um, something that I, I certainly aspire to, and I just need to make the time to invest in it. Yeah, yeah, yep. it's all down to time, isn't it? Like- well, it would be hard to juggle up with your range time and and your work and your family, and then add hunting onto that. You know, well, you know that'd. It'd get tricky. You can only spread yourself so thin. What What's coming up for you in terms of IPSC shooting and 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 what you got going on? Uh, well, um, the the next event, uh, I may um, I, I may actually still try and duck down for shotgun titles in SA um, down your way. Um, so I know that's coming up uh, sometime in October, uh, and uh, I may be able to get down for that. We'll, we'll run the old uh, Adler out if she's cooperating. <laughs> um, and NT rifle titles are coming up, I think, in in November. Um, so we'll uh, we'll need to uh, I'll need to either reload or bend over and buy some factory three hundred three for the rifle states. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, SA shotgun titles. I'm hoping to get to, but TBC would work. And uh, rifle states in the NT are definitely super keen for. And uh, after that, the next big one will be IPSC Nationals next year. So I will be hoping to shoot IPSC Nationals, which should be around Easter next year. That's in South Australia as well, actually. Um, I'm hoping to shoot the Open Division with my 1916 Luger. Uh, I will shoot Production Division with my 1943 P38. Uh, I'll shoot Shotgun with the Rattler. 
and uh, rifle with uh, – there was an Izhevsk Mosin sitting at the gun shop in Darwin, which I <laughs> really, really res- actively resisting the temptation to buy. And it's got like the side-folding triangle bay in it as well. I think that's just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the only thing I need is a his stupid historical shotgun and I'll be able to just shoot the entirety of IPSC Nationals, both pistol matches, rifle and shotgun, with really stupid historical firearms. So that's the goal anyway. Um, yeah, nice. Oh, if you're so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll catch up with you and we'll cook you some venison oh. snags and, yeah, make you feel welcome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> see, if, see if we get you yeah, out keen, as well. Spotlighting yeah, or... Yeah, keen, might work out for a deer. Yeah, if you're down for long enough, yeah, we'll, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, keen keen for a, for a beer and whatever. If I'm uh, in your grid square, that'd be bloody awesome. Yeah, sure, yeah. done deal. We'll lock that in. There's not too many ranges, so yeah, it's in our <laughs> grid square. <laughs> to be honest, well, yeah, there's, there's not too many. At, talking about ranges, where do you? What range are you at? So all the peeps can can come up and bug you on a weekend. What, what range do you shoot? <laughs> <laughs> and tell us the opposite one. Um, in, uh, in, in Darwin, I shoot at the Top End Practical Shooting League, Tapsil, um, which is, uh, which is uh, out towards Litchfield, basically on the way out of Darwin. Very, very big, dedicated practical shooting um, set up there. That's where Nationals was run this year. Uh, I also shoot at Darwin Pistol Club, which is closer to the city, and they have a, they have a pretty big practical scene there as well, as well as all the other bits and bobs. Um, and when I'm home at Perth, I uh, I shoot at Canning. That's my home club, um, pretty much uh, near Jandicott Airport there. Um, yeah, and when I'm down here at Albany, I shoot at the good old Albany Pistol Club where I first shot as a tiny little tacker back when I don't even remember. So, yeah, yeah. Those, are, those are home for me. So there you go. If you're in near any of those places, you know, <laughs> come on, go, go. No, I don't. <laughs> go, go, go pick his brains. Um, to shoot some more PSC. Shoot, uh, shoot me, shoot me a message on Instagram. I have, I have people, um, and I, and it's one of the things I really love about Instagram is I'll have people shoot me a message and go, "Hey, really like what you're doing. How do I get into it?" And uh, if I'm if I'm in the area, if I'm in Perth at the time, I'll bring people down and shoot them as a guest at my club, or if they're up in Darwin, I'll bring them out. Uh, to my club up there, and we'll see about getting them into the uh, the exciting world of the ballistic sports. I'm all about it; absolutely love it. So, yeah, shoot me a message on Instagram, and if I'm in the area, we'll we'll go for a shoot and try and get you shooting. Beautiful. Yeah. So, how how can people find you on social media? What's your what's your handle? Range Derp on Instagram uh, and uh, and TikTok. Uh, yeah, if you're uh, like under the age of twelve. <laughs> um, Did you watch? TikTok like Team what? America when you come up with that name. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, that was that was the meme. Which, like, yeah, derp, 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 derp. I'm, I'm doing dumb shit all the time. So no, it's cold. <laughs> yeah, my, so my, my inspirations was like bloke on the range, and I'm like, yeah, I'm a bloke on the range, but he's already got that damn title, and uh, I'm like, I need something else. So I'm like, range, range, range. range. I'm like. Screwing around on the range, range derp. Well, that's me. <laughs> Perfect. Suits. It suits. No, it's it's a good name, man. So, yeah. well done, and uh, good on you for being out there promoting shooting sport to awesome. to the wider community. So, it's always a good thing to have someone on that that promotes that, and we're definitely well aligned with what you do out there in the community, and so certainly portray on your social media, man. So, props to you. And I think, boys, unless you've got a uh, another burning question. I just want to say thank you very much. Yeah, that, that, that was, 
Very, um, very good. Sorry, I I just lost you for a second there. I was uh, I was getting a call from the wife on the phone, so oh. <laughs> that's mean I, I need to I need to do something. Um, <laughs> uh, Never answer. That's well, that's good timing there, man, because we're <laughs> we're wrapping things up here. So uh, yeah, we have to say a big thank you to you for being on the pod, and uh, it's been interesting oh. getting to know you and uh, learn a bit about what you do. So get on and support Aaron on his social medias. Range Derp is where you can find him. Get on and Let's uh, support. Do yeah. Cool. yeah. Thank, uh, thank you guys for having me. It's been absolutely bloody, uh, bloody fantastic, highly entertaining talking to you guys and uh, really enjoyed it. So thanks for having me. <laughs> no dramas, man. It's been good fun. All right, well, we will leave it there. Cheers, man. Cheers, man. And, uh, yeah, tune in next week. We'll have another episode of Centimate Podcast. We will. Big thanks, Darren. Most definitely. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Cheers, mate. Thanks, buddy. Cheers, mate. Cheers. See ya. G'day dude and dudettes, Josh here. Do you find it hard to keep your long hard barrels free from gun STDs? Maybe you need a clean out of your bore. If this is you, jump on over to highcaliber.com.au and use the promo code SENDITMATE to receive a 10% discount on all your gun cleaning needs. And remember, it's sexy to support Australian made products. Everyone here at Senate Mate uses high calibre and we can promise you that it'll keep your firearms free from those pesky gun STDs.